It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I am the host of the podcast. And a warm welcome to a special bonus episode for season nine. Back in April, I had the very good fortune to meet writer and woodsman Rob Penn at his home in the Black Mountains in the northern Brecon Beacons. Rob is a founder of Stump Up for Trees, a charity that helps farmers and landowners include more trees on their land to help biodiversity and tackle climate change. But on his nearby hill, Bryn Aru, Rob has been closely involved in a pilot project to rewild the bracken-covered slopes with native trees, and he kindly agreed to take me out to climb the hill and explain how things were going. We had a lovely adventure among the skylarks, buzzards, ravens and willow warblers, and Rob explained how things were changing in this landscape. If you like our podcast, please do leave a like and a review on whichever podcast provider you use, or send me, Fergus Collins, an email at editor at countryfile.com. So you've been busy all this year in lockdown. Yes. uh, Well, not just managing the wood, but planting a wood. Yeah, and planting, yeah, a significant planting of wood. Um, So this is the beginning of the common here, Brunari Common, and we're going to walk up, actually we go straight onto the plant site. Um, so uh, Brunari was the hill. Yes. And this is the, this is the hill that y- you have, uh, well, got hold of really, um, well, for want of a better expression, you've sort of, um, who owns the hill and how do you get to play on it? Well, and, uh, it's, it's complicated, uh, as, you know, common land tends to be. And so the hill, this, yes, uh, we're going to walk up this very right. steep path here. Fine, fine. And, yeah. and, and this, is, this is the beginning of the plant site, so it starts here. Oh, okay, so straight yeah. from your, almost yeah. from your door. Almost from the door. So you can keep an eye on your trees. Uh, well, easy. I mean, yeah, and, 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 and pray for rain as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll come to that. It will yeah. come to that. Uh, and so it starts here, it goes sort of south to the end of the hill, and then the plant site curls round the end of the hill and comes all the way back down the eastern side of Brunari. So you're not planting on the top of the hill, you're planting around the flanks. Exactly, okay. yeah, on the kind of steep, steep-sided steep bit. So the, the principle is that, so it's about a 120 hectare common mm-hmm. and the plant site is about 65 hectares and the principle is that we're planted on the bits where the sheep don't heft. There's layers of sort of ownership and land use here. Yes. By the sound of things. So the owners so. are uh, so firm of... Big, big landowners around here. Yeah, big landowners around here. So the first point was to contact the owners and say, would they be amenable to the idea of uh, designating part of the hill to woodland creation? And they agreed. And then 
they were very happy actually and very pro the idea. And then step two was to get the consent of the commoners. So that's the people who have grazing rights on the hill. So these are people who live in the area, not the landowners, but they are people who own property here, farmers generally? Yeah, all farmers. Yeah. Uh, so the, the commoners' rights attached to property rather than individuals. Yeah. You do. We're climbing a steep hill. Yeah, we are climbing and, a steep uh, hill. Yeah. <laughs> so apologies for my lack of hill fitness, but yeah. I've been climbing a lot of hills on the podcast. Yes. Uh, Rob's got a stick, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, just quick description. We're sort of, so we're climbing up. The hill's called Bryn Aru and Bryn Aru. Bryn Aru. Bryn Aru. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's at the moment, it's lots of looks like smashed bracken everywhere. Yeah. Have you been smashing the bracken? Yeah. So the bracken was cut so you can't plant. Well, if you planted without doing any ground preparation on the hill whatsoever, and just allowed the bracken to have its own way on the hill you expose yourself to incredibly high chance of all the trees failing. So the bracken would smother, smother the trees. Exactly. So what, what we've, we've observed over the years is that it doesn't outcompete the trees during the summer, but when the bracken dies, it obviously falls down oh, hill. Okay. And on the, and the steeper the hill, the further the bracken has to fall, and then it smothers the trees. So that basically prevents so the dead. natural regeneration, yeah. any significant natural regeneration taking place. And in various places on the hill, I mean, where we're standing here, you can see some rowan, a little bit of hawthorn, and, and not, yeah. not ob obvious here, but when we go around the corner, you'll see some birch, which have managed to get away through the bracken. But few, very, very few and far between. Yeah, and it takes years and years and years. It takes it years to... and years and years. So in effect, what we're doing is trying to expedite the natural processes by planting okay. and controlling the bracken. So the old adage is, you know, um, trees, trees can't stand the bracken, but the bracken can't stand the trees. So once you get trees up... So shade is almost the only thing that bracken can't to tolerate right, up here. Okay. And so going back to the graziers, so yes, what has yes. happened over the course of the last few decades is that people have moved here and bought houses with commoning rights attached to them and they don't farm. So those common rights become inactive mm. uh, and you get fewer and fewer numbers of active commoners. And then the, the commoners themselves, the active commoners themselves, you know, got into an advanced glass deer scheme whereby they were paid, remunerated a small amount of money to reduce the amount of grazing on the hill. I see. So that's a, that's a subsidy. That's a, that's a government subsidy. A government subsidy. In an un, sort of environmental. An, exactly. A sort of agri scheme, mm -hmm. an early agri scheme. And an unintended consequence of that is that when you reduce the grazing on the hill, the bracken just accelerates. Okay. When, so I've been living here 18, 19 years, and when we first moved here, there was heather on the top of this hill. And there's no heather now. No, it's gone. Arrow. Yeah, Brilliant. it's gone. Yeah. And and it's and shocking. yeah, yeah. And you can you can see it the bracken advancing. You know, various points when we get up here, yeah. we can look south towards Sugarloaf, and you can I can I can show you the lines where the bracken has advanced over the last 20 years. So yes, yeah. so c cattle not bracken over yeah. often enough for it to give up. Sheep don't. Sheep just a, a sort of edge around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's tragic. So a lot of these hills should be sort of heather covered, and uh, I mean, just a quick, we're looking back from the sort of halfway, well, halfway up, quarter of the way up the slope of Brunaru towards Sugarloaf across a very lovely wooded farmed scene. Yeah. But then you can see the kind of bracken lines on Sugarloaf. And yeah. Obviously, we're in the bracken line here, yeah. and so you're saying that's been advancing up the hill there. Yeah, and it, it moves around, yeah. and it's inc well, just without tree cover and without cattle to 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 knock it over. It's incredibly difficult to control. Yeah. So there's lots of um, like bamboo poles marking where you planted. Yeah. Hundreds of trees here, by the way. Things. Uh, How many trees have you got in so far? So. North of 120,000. Planted already? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You've been busy. We've I'm been busy. Yeah. You've had a lot of help. Yeah, I've had a lot of help. Uh, so, there was a, there was, so the whole the whole project was initiated by Keith Powell, mm -hmm. who is the farmer here. Okay, so just north up the valley. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And he is an interesting one because he he's a you know, sixth generation Black Mountains farmer, but he's also you know Cambridge educated vet. And he's incredibly green. He lives off grid, 
and he's an inveterate tree planter and he's been planting trees wherever he can for 25 years and he planted a field at the top here which we'll walk past and I'll show you that mm. and and then he realised you know he got to thinking where he could plant next and he he's the person who made the leap to planting on the common interesting so I mean I've been leaping around a bit let's go oh, talk about the commons so we've yes. got the commoners who have these rights to graze on here they've reduced yes. the grazing which has allowed the bracken to come in and yes. that sort of swamped everything else is that the yes. sort of yeah. and those commoner, commoners how did they feel about planting trees because presumably you were saying about planting on the slopes so that the sheep doesn't affect the grazing but were they all on board with it early or so I think it wasn't immediate but there weren't so the number of active commoners is down to four. Oh right so yeah. uh, what would it have been in the past then uh, you know 20 okay so we're yeah. really yeah minimal numbers and yeah and they've got some sheep on here and so. they have and we'll see them on the way up yeah. And they, so the number of active commoners is four, but there's still a number of farmers who have commoning rights, who are still, you know, uh, productive farmers, mm. but they don't exercise their rights simply because it's just too much trouble for them and, and they don't see the economic value of it. So, so the whole thing is you release the sheep onto the hills in summer. Is yes, that right? in that's spring, right. Spring, summer. Yep, yep. And they glean enough. Yep forage from the from whatever's growing up here exactly uh, just about just about yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's all bracken presumably there's very little for them to eat well there's not there is yeah. not a lot it's true so the concept is that we have fenced off mm. half of the common for 12 to 15 years long enough for the trees to become established and the concept is that then the fence will come down and the full grazing rights will be returned to the graziers right okay whether or not there will still be active graziers in 12 years' time is another thing. I mean, I'm sure there'll still be one or two, but I would have, my best guess is that num the num number will have gone down from four. But anyway, that was incredibly important for Keith to be able to say that to the commoners yeah. in making the case for designating half of the common to woodland creation. So that they would have their rights restored at yeah, some stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, will the trees create a sort of grazing well, pasture, it, wood it, pasture? It will. So when it's very steep, and we're talking about 35 degrees slopes. Yeah, this is, this is steep. Yeah. yeah. So, so when it's that steep, as, as I said earlier on, the sheep just simply don't heft there. Yeah. You know, they go for the easier bit of the common. So we've picked the steepest bits to convert to, to or Keith has picked the steepest bits to convert to woodland creation. And when the trees are established and they've shaded the bracken out that will then become an area where the sheep might like to, to, to roam in. and to heft. Yeah, yeah lovely. So in, in actual fact, what, you know, what you're doing is you're you know, proposing to give the, the commoners more grazing territory back than they had a year ago. So, so the bank that we've just walked up, yeah. so particularly the bottom bit, so that is the very steep bottom bit of the common that we just walked up, that, there's a whole bluebell bank there. But... Generally speaking, they don't get a chance to show because they've been covered in bracken tilth. But they survive under the under yeah, the bracken. Yeah, they, they'll, they'll, they'll remain dormant for decades and decades. And bluebells, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, and so and I mean, I think foxgloves too. Yeah. So these are all foxgloves emerging. So I'm pretty sure. Well, I read that foxgloves they can remain dormant for a hundred years. Yeah, that's so yeah. interesting about yeah. that the, the sort of survival of. Yeah. It gives us hope, I suppose, that a lot of the things, a lot of the changes we've made or unintentionally made, like bracken, is, a, is an unintentional consequence. Of yep. Unintended consequence. That somewhere beneath there, there's a seed bank that yeah. is going to uh, restore. Well, we, so we've seen, and we may not get that, that, that this far today, but right over the other side, again, I'll kind sparrowhawk. of... Sparrowhawk. Yeah, yeah. It's just good to grab a little bit of wildlife as yeah, we go well along. Yeah, well done. Sparrowhawk just came off the side of the hill, down in down into the woods. Yeah. So there's various up here, and there he is. Look, we've just been chased oh, yeah, off yeah, by. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Crow. Yeah, the crows don't like me. No. He's flitting about, but he's not getting a chance to settle. And some linnets coming through. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, and there's a merlin on this hill. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oof, I'd yeah. love to see a merlin. So oh. we, um, we've seen him an awful lot during the winter. Yeah. Uh, and what's really lovely is that when we were planting, kind of. You know, high up on the other side, we were above the Merlin. Yeah. So we, you know, day after day after day, we watched them 
you know, thinning out your oh cuckoo. Yeah. So my first cuckoo of the year as well. Brilliant. He this arrived, is great. Yeah. He arrived last week. So on the other side of the hill, and I don't know if we'll get there today, we have noticed that there are some wood anemones, and that's incredibly exciting. Coming but, out uh, yeah. from under the bracket. Yeah, and which so, you know, which we which we cleared last summer, and we can get talk about a bit, bit about that in a minute. Mm. But um, you know, they're indicated species of ancient woodland. So goodness knows they've been waiting for you to return a woodland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just while we're passing yeah. these bamboo poles, and the, I mean, the, the, the trees are. Um, quite small at the moment. Yeah, they are the tiniest of saplings. But yeah. what are you planting then on the? Uh, so a, a kind of basically what you would imagine on a Welsh upland. So a lot of sessile oak, mm. rowan, birch, uh, silver birch, and downy birch, wild cherry, bird cherry, crab apple, um, hawthorn, blackthorn, and then in some of the very steepest areas, we've done quite a lot of experimentation. We've put in different lengths of trees. These are all um, very small two-year-old saplings here, but elsewhere we put in, you know, one-metre birch to, you know, without clearing the bracken to see if they'll get away. We've also planted a lot of willow rods just to see if they'll get away in the very, very steep sections of bracken quick. that you can't yeah, exactly yeah. the quick going. And hopefully they'll create shade and start to shade the bracken out quickly and then you might get some natural regeneration around yeah, them. Yeah, okay. They might be overtaken by something else once they've done the job. Exactly, so like once they've done the job, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's really exciting. I and mean, we're just opening up this lovely view of sort of Monmouthshire, Skirid, um, edge of the Blorange over there. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a special place. It's a, it is a special place, yeah. Um, We've had loads of volunteers up uh, planting. Yeah, as I say, you yeah. haven't done it all by yourself. No, we haven't done it all by yourself. No, no, <laughs> no. You're no, Keith no. up here every day. No, no, no. Uh, so there were contractors, you know, at the beginning of winter, um, uh, and they, they planted a huge number of trees, and, and, you know, some of them were good and some of them not so good. And then when social restrictions lifted, you know, towards the end of winter, we started to plant with volunteers. And actually, you know, interesting is volunteers plant trees really well. Do they? Yeah, yeah. really, really well, albeit quite slowly. But they, but they, but they <laughs> yeah, plant them incredibly well, well yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a numbers game. So we planted a lot with volunteers. I think we planted 20,000 trees with volunteers okay. in the last sort of six weeks, which has been really lovely. And the, what made me think of that is that, you know, that we've had, we've had every kind of weather up here, you know, all four seasons in a day, as you can imagine. But um, they've all really enjoyed planting in such a, Beautiful place with yeah, great views. Yeah, nice, yeah. Uh, sort of nice lockdown yeah. adventure. Yeah, where you can yeah. Um, you're not using plastic collars on the trees. I should add for listeners' benefit. Which y- is, um, yes. So that's a really interesting one, and it, you know that was so Keith rationalised that very carefully, and he's decided to plant without any plastic tree shelters. We have used a very, very small number of biodegradable tree guards. Again, that's a sort of test. Mm. You know, we've, we've, been, we've been gifted those. So we've got probably 100 tree guards made from sheep's wool and nut oil. And, and, and they're, they're on the hill. You know, they're, they're still at the experimental stage. Will they last three to five years? Don't know. And we've used some you know, cardboard tree guards. And will they last? We don't know. But... He calculated that it was 20 tonnes of plastic that he would have had to bring up here. Yeah, and then that's and, got to come down again, yeah, and it will come down and, in its own volition. Yeah, and quarter of a million plastic cable tyres. Yeah. So he's over-planted here by 25-30%. And, you know, so, so if we lose 25% to rabbits and voles in the first five years of the tree's life, then we're still at par, yeah, but good. you hadn't had to use any plastic. Um deer any deer here so that's an interesting one so i mean i'm sure you're aware of this but um you know deer never used to cross the a465 which is a major road down there yeah, yeah. so you just never saw deer i've in never the seen Mountains. deer in you know, living on the blorange i never saw a deer found occasional droppings yes but, that's uh, right so it's it's a curious one and so i think up until about 18 months ago maybe two years ago i'd seen two deer here in in 17 years and now you see them kind of once a month really roe deer they've heard about and, the and fallow and fallow deer as well yeah. okay and and i think so as i understand and we've seen muntjac droppings 
Mm. Yeah. Gosh, there's a lot yeah. of... But, so on the other side of the hill, you know, that the bit that runs through uh, Cody Kerrig? Yes, I know, know, yeah, yeah. Very beautiful piece of, contigu- contiguous piece of woodland all the way through that valley. They like, they like there. So there's, they're, they're happier yeah. down there yeah. and they might not come up. So. As I understand it, if you're seeing, you know, individual deers or, or deer or pairs, you're okay. When you start seeing herds, that's when you've got a problem okay, with, with browsing. Okay. Uh, so there's a willow he's taken. And that's, that's a planted yeah. willow. That's a planted, planted willow. willow. Yeah. So they're just rods, sabre planted, just straight in. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see the few down oh, there, yeah, and we're okay. hoping that they'll create the shade. You've got a little dell here, yeah. a sort of groove. Was this man-made? This Is this quarrying or something, I or is it, it just a natural...? I, actually, I don't know the answer to that, but I think it probably is, yeah. So there's lots and lots of quarries on the hill. Okay, you so can imagine, yeah. right, interesting. Yeah. There's a notch in, in the side of there. Yeah. It's a very um, distinctive hill. It's not one of the biggest Brecon beacons, Brinaru. It's kind of... But it does... It's a classic whale back shape yes it's, yeah, it's absolutely right it's a lovely way of putting it well back and there's a rowan he's leafing quite yeah. well <laughs> yeah so the bracken's so resilient already it's sort of springing through already right? yeah but you've you've gosh i've got so many questions a couple of quick funding the project is it public uh, so it's really it's a really good question it's actually relative to kind of woodland creation in other places it's expensive because of the ground preparation involved yeah. uh so the Trees all came from Mylaw, which is a big nursery in sort of Shropshire, Whitchurch, Cheshire, mm-hmm. just inside Cheshire border. And they're all local seed provenance. So you probably know this, but, you know, the United Kingdom's divided up into seed zones. Yes. So you okay. can ring your nursery if they, if they adhere to the guidelines. Right. So we are on the border here between three seed zones, which is 303, 304 and 403. Okay. And they're actually quite large seed zones, mm. but you, you, at least you know that you've got local provenance. So you ring the nursery and you go, I'd like 10,000 sessile oak 303, and they can deliver you those. And they'll be, and they'll be breeding those, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, um, uh, uh, my neighbours were here, and they, they brought back a load of sprouted acorns, which we took some of them off. Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, so we've got some of your acorns. Oh, great, great, great. <laughs> so, uh, yes, so we're trying to probably, I mean, the, the local seed provenance is a really interesting one. It definitely, the science definitely suggests that you get higher rates of survivability, which is important to us. Mm. And, you know, when you're planting in this kind of number, and, and then, you know, you're also preserving local genetic material, which yeah. is good. Okay. Future diseases. So, and yeah. how are you funding all of this? So the funding is incredibly complicated. So <laughs> <coughs> Keith applied... The bank so robberies were successful. The bank robberies, I mean, you really do. You need to rob a Swiss bank to pay for this. Uh, so the... It's, I think it's a quite a good example of the sort of blended funding yeah. that is required to make a project of this sort of scale economically viable. Mm. So planting in the uplands, because of the bracken, is expensive because you have to control the bracken. Yeah. You can't just put the trees in, you know, yeah. buy them at 50p each and then put them in and walk away. You know, to make sure that they get established is a long-term project. So, uh, Glastier Woodland Creation Scheme, Welsh Government uh, Woodland Creation Scheme, they they have funded the plant and there and the, there is a maintenance payment which is paid to the commoners association every year for 12 years that doesn't really realistically come close to paying for the whole thing so there are two other important things so one is well actually we've borrowed know-how from many organizations but woodland trust provided a, a what is effectively a grant for ground preparation and for some equipment and then significantly and this is the bit that i think will 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 be important going forward woodland creation projects below the united kingdom the carbon credits to the trees have been sold okay that's interesting so explain a bit how that works if you don't mind i I don't mind talking it's 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 relatively complicated but we chose route one which is the simplest route which is selling the carbon credits to the future carbon credits to a broker called Forest Carbon. And Forest Carbon is, is you know, one of the oldest, most established carbon brokerages in the United Kingdom. So they buy the carbon credits from you and then they sell them to somebody who needs them. Who needs, needs to show to their environmental them. credentials. Correct. So actually, they've been sold dog to... A dog having a rummage in there, yeah. There's all sorts of wildlife in this sort of trench here, yeah. just on the edge of the common. He's, he's always in there. 
So the carbon credits were eventually sold to a company called Utility Warehouse and they wanted to offset some of their emissions and, you know, embolden their environmental sustainable governance policy and their corporate social responsibility policy. So you're doing their work for them in yeah. some ways, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, in, in, yeah. A, in a brutal sort of shortcut. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they've been... Great for you. Great, great. And I think if, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a viable way of funding all sorts of conservation initiatives in the United Kingdom mm. going forward. So if, if I understand it correctly, you know, there's, there's a very well-established carbon market now, but talking to other people involved in conservation, it seems that various other markets are going to come alive within the next decade, and they include natural flood management markets. Oh, so uh, these environmental services that can be traded around. Ecosystem this, services yeah. trading, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think we need, you know, if, if, if you're interested in planting trees or conservation in many forms, I think we will have to look to the private markets to fund it going yeah. forward. So what's your motivation deep down for this? It is, is it the conservation side of things? Do you want to see in your lifetime big landscape change? Or is there a, you know, is there a commercial aspect at some stage? Uh, I'm not really interested in the commerce of it. It's, for me, it's all, it's all about biodiversity. So and get some life back on the yeah, hill. Yeah, okay, yeah. And what are you expecting? Then? So, what, well, so Bracken tolerates incredibly limited biodiversity. Yeah. Right. And so that woodland you can see there down so, in Rob's yeah. pointing down into a sort of it's a it's a deep valley it's the sort of what do you call this valley here uh, the, the arrow so this arrow stream yeah yeah and that little piece of woodland there is called 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 cumbrian arrow mm. so this is cumbrian arrow yeah okay and that woodland you know by, my best guess is that those trees have never been cut down so it's incredibly steep and there are huge number of veteran trees in there oak and sweet chestnut and you you you, you walk in there the bird life is just quite extraordinary mm. and it, there's only a few hectares of it but it's absolutely magical place and no one has lifted a finger in there for a long period of time uh, and so you've got a huge amount of deadwood and fallen trees mm. it's incredibly species rich and you know the dream is that in 300 years' time, this will be the same. This yeah. will be the same. Yeah. So you're like a Victorian tree planter here. Oh, well, you're a little bit. Yeah. You're yeah. not expecting to see the results entirely in your lifetime. But, oh uh, no, unfortunately. You'll see something. Yeah, I mean, you'll see the trees yeah. emerge. Yeah. But um, no, I think it'll be it'll be long past me before it really happens. Um, Bryn Aru. Uh, Bryn is obviously hill, or there's lots of words for hill. In yes. Welsh, but Aru, do you know? Uh, so, the, 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 you know, as with lots of Welsh words, the verdict seems to be out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funding the kind of um, investigation. But, yeah, as you say, it's yeah. probably quite difficult to pin down exactly. Yeah. Aru probably yeah. was a... a, a a man's name. Or... Uh, yeah, quite possibly. So there is some speculation that it might mean steep. <laughs> Another word for steep in yep, Welsh. Exactly. Yeah. I think I've been making a list of uh, words for steep. Yeah. <laughs> steep and crag and yeah. Uh, but that that resonates with me as I plod up here. Yes, it's quite a yeah. Quite a walk to your workplace. It really it? is. It does even out in a minute. So there's a cairn here, which is very beautiful. Is yes. This, is this an old one, or is it one that... So it's old enough. I mean, I think not, not very, very old. And we do, I've never quite worked out what this... There's a huge amount of, you know, sandstone uh, litter here, you might yeah. say. And I, the, the best guess that Keith and I have had is that, is that it was used as a place to sort stone. So there's various quarries on the top... And they, we think that they may have bought it here just to sort through what was usable and what was not. Right. And, and they took the good stuff and left the... Left the trash. Yeah, left really. the trash. And then took that down for the walling and, mm. and, and the house building and whatever else. And someone's built a cairn from the... Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. it's a little beehive shape. Yeah. Um, which... so I know my wife has contributed to that over the years. <laughs> 18 years. Yeah. Uh, another huge patch of this... Um, Wild mint here. Yeah, it's, it's lovely, everywhere. isn't it? Yeah, gosh, I've never seen so much. Yeah. Uh, and and yes, that's really nice. And holly laden with berries. Up yeah. There. Curious. So there's one here, there's one on the other side. Uh, that, one, that one there is still got a few. I do not know why. Because they would be plundered by fuel fares. And quite open. extraordinary. And if you think that last 
autumn. Do you remember last autumn was very advanced? Yeah. You know, the Rowan basically came out in berry in August. Yeah. And they'd lost all their berries by November. Because the birds had had them. Yeah, yeah and the birds had had them. And then when the field fairs and, and, you know, and others arrived, I was really worried that they'd be short of, yeah. you know... Because uh, the natives had had them all. Yeah, yeah, because autumn had been so early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yet... Some of these hollies still have berries on. Oh, no, there's quite a few yeah. around. And I, I wonder whether it's just they're distasteful or something like must that. Be. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Must be, yeah, must be. You know, in terms of trees, I think we need more of everything. You know, we need more native broadleaf woodland, yes. Mm. We need more rewilding and we need more conifers. Unfortunately, you know, we, we, we import 80% of our timber. We're the second largest timber importer on the planet after China. You know, if, yeah. if you don't grow conifers, you're only displacing, you know, the, the ecological mess that comes with that to another country yeah you know and, and i just don't think that's fair and you know for a very long time we've needed you know a secure timber resource and we've never had one and i mm. think we should grow more conifers but not here yeah no this isn't suitable no there are lots of argument where would be suitable i don't suspect we're talking about the cambrian mountains and uh... yeah i mean there are i think there are still suitable sites it's 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 a complex problem but there are suitable sites but i think we do need to grow more conifers as well as yeah. more broadly woodland and more rewilding yeah. but i guess once you've knocked the bracken down that does at least reduce fire risk because oh these hills go up in smoke the whole time well and i'm, I'm sure you did you see some of the forest fires over in Towards Merthyr and uh, yeah. forest fires, more fires towards Merthyr on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really bad. Deliberately, sadly. I know, yeah. sadly. So one of the interesting things. So, so we had to cut the bracken on the hill before planting. So last summer, Keith, with a what's called a Brahmar mower, it's like a walk-up mower. So you're pushing it along. You're well, pushing it's it along. Slightly self-powered, is it? Or is it... Uh, no, you're, uh, yes, it's self-powered. Sorry, yeah. but you have to guide it. Yeah. You have to walk behind it. So it's a walk-up. And oh my goodness, on these slopes, everything yeah, is... Yeah, at 35 degrees, and it's an amazing piece of machinery. It's German, you know, piece of uh, piece of German forestry equipment. And he, anyway, the, the whole walk to cut the entire hill was 400 kilometres. Just he's over done 400 kilometres, yeah. And he's going to do it every year for five years. 400 kilometres yeah. a year of yeah. bracken cutting. Yeah, of bracken cutting. What a hero. I know, it's extraordinary, yeah. Uh, not got his CBE, OBE and MBE yet. <laughs> That's quite extraordinary. That is absolutely... <clears throat> So all of this has been cut by hand. You've yeah. Not, yeah. I suppose, I mean, cut by hand, cut by that. Well, I suppose you can't do it any other way. Isn't no. it? You could get a and and ju just you. just on the wildfire thing, so the South Wales Fire and Rescue Group, Brigade, uh, uh, yeah. Force, Force I think is the right word, they heard about what we were doing and they they for them tree planting is one of the best ways that you can prevent moorland fires so they 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 are they proactively support tree planting yeah. and they've got their own amazing bracken cutter which they use in all sorts of instances but particularly to get ahead of fires so you cut bracken ahead uh, of fire a fire breaks, yeah. fire break exactly yeah. so they cut fire breaks with it. so they came up and gave us a hand in the summer cutting Did the bracken because oh, yeah. it reduces their yeah. call out exactly yeah. Were, yeah. so we've got a bird survey underway now so this is where the woodland trust have been incredibly helpful yeah. so you know the bits that we just couldn't quite find the money for yeah. so the woodland trust paid for a baseline a flora assessment which was conducted last year, and then we're going to use that data going forward and see how the... See what comes up. Yeah, yeah. see what comes up in the woodland. And then they've also very kindly agreed to pay for Lepidoptera and um, bird surveys, which are starting this month. So you're going to have moth traps up here. Yeah. So uh, 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 chap called Andy Caron from Gwent Wildlife Trust is, is doing the... Uh, Bird and Lepidoptera survey. So, so that's a nice job. That is a nice job. I know, really probably, nice probably job. Probably really yeah. exhausting. But actually <laughs> yeah, really yeah. lovely. Well, he was up here at kind of five o'clock last last Wednesday yeah. or something, and he looked pretty battered by the time he came off the hill at about two in the afternoon. But had he found anything uh, particularly? You can hear the willow warblers. And, yes. Uh, so uh, he mentioned the wood warblers and the wind chats. You know, which are relatively interesting. Um, I mean, I think what you'd expect, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get w any waders up here anymore. No. I suppose. No. no. That, that may may return, I guess. Well, God, I mean, it'd be lovely. So we know that there are. You probably know this, but there are nesting curlews in Stanton, yes. which is over yeah. that corner of the common. Yeah. And I, I I think that there are nesting curlews in a field just down here as well, off the south end of the common. Oh God, that'd be good yeah. to know. Yeah. yeah, we've got two 
maximum two pairs in Llamonas yeah. uh, in the fields by the river. Yeah. Very, very precarious, though. Yes. And really, yeah. sort of, you know, one bad dog walker. I know. And that's the yeah. end of that. That's the end of that, yeah. Uh, but, uh, okay, so there's, there's potential, there's a residue of of a once common bird here. Yes, yeah. exactly. It would have been incredibly common, right? Yeah. And I mean, in every, in, in every, on every farm, almost. It, within mm. living memory, some yeah. of this yeah. stuff, isn't it? You know, within some of these old farmers would have seen dozens of curlews up on these hills. Dozens. And and golden plovers. Yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. heartbreaking. I know. Yeah. I have seen breeding gold, golden plovers in the Black Mountains. Have you? Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, uh, just one pair. But, oh, uh, oh, wow. I didn't I know that. I it for half an hour. Really? Just so I could get my binoculars close enough to... Oh, brilliant. Uh, making a very strange call, but yeah, it was definitely... Yeah. Uh, this is great. So you've got this big project which is going to return one of these hills. It'll be interesting to see what your farming neighbours make of it I over know. time and whether... Yeah. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see. And I think that... So, you know, in, in many ways, Keith's kind of secret weapon... So farmers are preternaturally resistant to change. Yeah. And, but, you know, Keith looks and sounds like them. So, so they, they basically listen to him and... and they trust him. Yeah, yeah. they trust him. Uh, um, and uh, and that, that's so important, you know. I mean, as soon as, soon as I open my mouth, <laughs> everyone leaves the room. He's from Warwickshire. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or worse. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of sheep. Yes. So this side of the con, we're about to walk out of the plant site and then we'll walk, walk up onto the top of yeah. the ridge and then we'll walk down to the plant site again. And here, so that this whole side of the common has been left for grazing. So beyond, there's a sort of walled area with, yeah. with some regen. So that's, no, that's not regen. So that's Keith, plant. Plant, Keith planted that three years ago. Okay, so that's doing all right. It's doing good. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you that's... can see the cherry get away very well, don't they? Yeah, yeah, suddenly Actually, looking back at Sugarloaf, yeah. some of those lower shoulders of the hills, it looks like some of the trees are getting away there. So that, apparently, I mean, I, I, you, you never qu quite know uh, who's believed, but... <laughs> legends of the hill. Yeah, yeah so, so legends of the hill. So the farmers around here tell me that that burst of natural regeneration took place during foot and mouth. Right. And That's twenty years ago, I know. So I'm not quite sure. And actually, the trees there are lots of different ages. The 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 one interesting observation about that is that almost every tree that you can see in that, so you know this this is the landscape that they call frith in Wales or or coca, no, code kai. Yeah. So code kai means wood field. Yeah. And and frith, I don't know what the derivation of the word frith is, but so North Wales they call it frith, South Wales they call it code kokai and it, it's what we in England might call wood pasture but tends to be on very steep slopes it's the interface between pasture and the moor the yeah, yeah. and it's an incredibly important habitat and in a way that's what we're trying to create here on Brenaru yeah. but there the only problem with that is from my observation is that almost every tree you can see is either holly or rowan so they're, they're not that incredibly cool. limited in biodiversity and I don't know why the rowan, so obviously the holly sheep don't eat mm. and the rowan, I don't know how it survives in the bracken, but it, it does it, it gets mu away, much more effective at getting away than the ash or yeah. what, everything else you might expect up there. One of the interesting things when we were cutting the bracken is, you know, we found oak trees which were six foot long growing along the ground to get through the bracken. Yeah, so yeah. each year, successively, the bracken has fallen on them and, and they've just got longer and longer and longer and longer. And yeah, we came along with the mower and then, you know, you release them and hold, point them upright and... Off they go. Off they go, God, yeah. like Still alive. Amazing. Being raised from some sort of yeah. curse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So my kind of, you know, my, you know, if you, if you gave me an unlimited budget and rights to do what I wanted on a piece of land like that, I would fence it, exclude the sheep completely for a decade or 12 years and mix up the species, the tree species. But plant, you know, very randomly, just yeah. in little spots and control the bracken around those trees for the first few years. You just need to control the bracken above the tree. And once the tree's gone above the bracken, it's off. the bracken's had it. Yeah, bracken's yeah. had it. Excellent. Okay, so there's... And then the other thing is, which is just an interesting 
point is that all the stakes in the fence are sweet chestnut. So we haven't used any tantalised softwoods. It's all sweet chestnut. This is all new fence. Yeah. Put in as well. Yeah. That was expensive. How many miles of fence is this? Uh, so I can't, I can't quite remember. <laughs> I think it's four point something. Yeah. I know, yeah. But yeah, you can see in here. Yeah, lots of. Limited bracken control, but a little bit of buzzard being hounded by the ravens. By ravens, yeah. yeah. Ravens love this hill. Yeah, I can yeah. see. A lot of big birds in the sky here. Yeah. And I don't know quite why the ravens love this hill, but when we get, when you get a, you know, decent breeze from this direction, so from the west, you get uh, you know, ravens playing all the way Playing in the wind. Yeah. How lovely. Yeah, on the hill. So nice. There's two buzzers, two ravens there, aren't they? Yeah. It's a sort of right, it's a proper dog fight. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You get some of that sound of those ravens and buzzers. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. croaking of the raven and the sort of more elegant mewing of the buzzer. Yeah. And the panting of the dog. <laughs> what about some um, reptiles then? These sort of hills. Yeah, adders. You do get yeah. adders on here. We've yeah. got adders on here, but they significantly like the southern end of the hill. So For the warmth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, all, and we haven't walked around there, but basically that whole end of the hill has been left unplanted it's too steep okay and uh, so it's gorse amazing thickets of brambles and when you go into them you basically need someone to come along behind you and cut you out okay and they're really so they have a they have a they protect the, the snakes presumably yeah. yeah and they and they they like it down there and we know that and we've seen them so my wife saw one in the stream the other day mm -hmm. and my son actually filmed one uh this time last year okay. you know basking in uh on the, on the so they're step. here in, in relatively okay numbers? Uh, relatively, I would say, I mean, I, I don't know a huge amount about them, but I would say relatively okay numbers. Yeah. You know, it, it, this time of year particularly, you don't have to wait very long until you see one. Yeah, yeah okay. So I think, yes, I think they were okay. And, and, and like I say, so, I mean, so Keith's gone to exceptional lengths to ensure that the plant takes account of lots and lots of important factors mm. and you know the adders are one of them because we know that they like the sun end of the hill so, and, and so no, no point shading them out no, the trees and, no. uh, um, and it would you know it would have been a absolute nightmare to plant anyway yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, good excuse you got really, yeah, yeah, really yeah, good excuse the adders wouldn't let us exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if we wanted to <laughs> but the adders were really good excuse they were adamant yeah. <laughs> So this this is obviously the up, we're out of the plant site now, and we're on to bare brackeny hills, which yeah. Keith hasn't knocked back. Or no. Has he not, no. So well, there there were vehicles going up the, yeah. for the fence line, but this is what it looks like when it's uncut. So it's a monoculture of yeah. Of, um, There's very little underneath it, um, unfortunately, and it, and it just accumulates over years to this. You know, amazing, thick tilth. I mean, Keith's father was saying to us that when he was young, farmers used to plant their potatoes on the hill because the soil's that good. Because of all the potash. Yeah, yeah. The... yeah. Um, what? And, you know, and that, I mean, that's good news for us planting trees. 
Because there's tons. Oh, well, yeah, so Rob is now tearing into a, yeah. a, a, a sort of tump. And this is what I was saying about... It's like... So you're still in bracken tilth and we've gone down... Potting compost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gone in about sort of eight inches deep. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Amazingly well, good soil. that's good, fertile Really, hill really, soil. yeah. Let's have a feel of that. I'm going to have a smell of it as well. Yeah. Gold under yeah. bracken, they used to say. Really? Yeah. So... So, yes. So, Mel... Keith's father, he remembers planting potato, farmers planting their potatoes up here. And that would have knocked the bracken back. Yeah, but that, you know, that was the one thing you didn't want to fail, so you planted it in the best soil. Yeah, that was your staple, I suppose. Yeah. So why, why have people stopped planting potatoes? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's cheaper to go to the garden centre and buy some peat compost. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. <laughs> Still, yeah. Extraordinary. Um, yeah. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But that's, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, there we go, some skylarks going. Oh, there we go. Dizzy staring up at the skylark. Fantastic. Quite interesting looking at the different sort of habitats and yeah. little, little blocks of native woodland. Yes, so little blocks of native woodland here. This is a lovely wood, predominantly oak. And that, I think, so that's really interesting. Around here, particularly around the Sugarloaf, there's an awful lot of sessile oak woodland, mm. which has a magic about it. And very few other species in there. And that woodland over there, which goes around the north side of Sugarloaf Mountain, yeah. that's almost exclusively sessile oak. And this here, at the end of the Derry, yep. so overlooking, you know that yeah, woodland yeah. well, that's almost exclusively sessile as well. Mm. Um, and then you get these, I mean, this is one of the features of the Black Mountains, absolutely adore is you get these ribbons of alder so basically every tree in that ribbon along the stream there that's the arrow stream is alder slightly purplish yeah exactly so it's just losing its winter purple hue now but that you know it's the first sign in in winter that things are changing is the, those ribbons go purple. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, actually, it looks like it's sort of funneling down from, yeah. from a, from presumably from a spring up there. That's so. right, yeah. He will come sit with us. And what's his name? Pat Wiggins. Wiggins? Yeah. Bradley Wiggins or just yeah, Wiggins? Yeah, no, we got him during the uh, Tour de France at Wiggins. You're also won. a keen cyclist <laughs> and, cy and a cycling writer. And, yeah. yeah, so. And very keen cyclist, yeah. So we called him, I, I made that fatal mistake of engaging my children in what the dog would be named. So we ended up with Wiggins. Wiggins. And he's having a good sniff. There we go. That's some good, <laughs> good dog sniffing audio. Um, so this side of Brunei, you've got pretty amazing views. So right in front of us, we've got Skirid Hill. Yeah. Skirid Vach. Well-known landmark. Yeah. It's cleft. Yeah. And it's, which you can't see the cleft from here. It's very sort of... That yeah, odd little extra bit. it's strange, isn't Probably it? Straight ahead yeah. of us, isn't straight it? ahead of us, exactly. And a really lovely woodland. I don't even know that woodland. Yeah, by the I haven't trust. explored it much, but yeah. I know I know of it. I know it's quite good sort of red starts. And yeah, that's and right. Bits, yeah. yeah, it's a really lovely piece of woodland. Again, you know that is something that one hopes Brunei might, your, might resemble. That's aspirational woodland. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's and then like a little sort of fluffy blanket on the slopes. Oh. You can see the Bristol Channel. See. Newport is okay. down there. You can just about see the chimneys of Newport. Yeah. And you can see the Bristol Channel and then whatever's on the other side of that. That's Devon, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a pretty good place to come and get some perspective on yeah. the world. And then straight ahead, you know, looking directly so we're looking, east. Yeah. Almost directly east. You can see May Hill above. Is this May Hill here? Uh, no, yeah, so in, in, immediately here, yeah. that's the Greg, and the then Greg. Garway Hill, yeah. which has got a big common on the top. And then, you, but if you look just to the right oh, of yeah, yeah. the Greg, the tiny little sort of nipple, yes. that's the copse on top of May Hill. And that's Forest, above Gloucester. Forest of Dean. Or, uh, yeah, at the yeah. End, right on the edge of Forest of Dean, above Gloucester. I see. Yeah. And then just through the clouds, sort of looking northeast, see the Malverns. Yes, I can see them. Yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. can't quite see it today, but on a very good clear day, you can see Wenlock Edge from here. It's pretty amazing because it's not one of the tallest hills, but actually it's got a fun, because it's, it's, it's on its own, so you do have pretty yeah. good panorama. Yeah. Um, 
exactly. Quite, quite a lot of the other hills have got a big sort of ridge that runs away and you don't get a chance to see quite so far. But exactly. This, yeah, this is a very doable hill. For yeah. And I think the, uh, another, so just going back to the plant, so yeah. the trees will not interfere with the view on the ridge. Did you get any pushback from that? A little, did, did, a little bit. Do people sort of say, oh, I don't want our views obscured with... Uh, yeah, uh, no, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, some people were, are worried that you, <laughs> in planting trees here, you're taking away public access to right. this piece of the common land. But actually, we would argue that we're giving it back. So by controlling it, so it's so steep and the bracken and brambles are so thick through here that I promise you nobody ever walked here. You yeah. know, occasionally I did in the, in the you know, 18 years that I lived here. Occasionally, but really you never went there um, from May until... October, October, really. Yeah, yeah. No, or even, I know even later. Say, there are plenty of places which you just lose. Um, yeah. When I lived on Blorange, there were some lovely footpaths, but they just disappear under the bracket. Exactly. And, and we um, think that by planting trees here, people will be able to walk under the trees and through the trees. And so actually, you're giving public access back to a part of the common. Well, Rob and I carried on chatting on top of that hill for a lot longer. That seemed like a good time to finish the podcast. I was really moved by this incredible project and how the passion and hard work of just a few people was making a degraded landscape so much more welcoming for wildlife, but also how they've managed to encourage the farmers, the commoners, the landowners to enthusiastically embrace the idea. And I'm really grateful to Rob for showing me around and sharing his delight for all things wild. You can find out much more about the project at the website stumpupfortrees.org. And don't miss Rob's latest book, Slow Rise, a bread-making adventure, where he learns how to sow, harvest, thresh and mill his own wheat in order to bake bread for his family. Great book, and that's published by Penguin. So now we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks before returning with our new season of podcasts called Histories and Mysteries of the Countryside. It's going to be great. But you can always contact me, Fergus Collins, at editor at countryfile.com. And don't forget to tune in to our sound escapes which are beautiful, relaxing sound adventures in nature, which we publish every Friday. You've been listening to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast, produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman. Thanks so much for tuning in and goodbye.